And we're back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the fifth episode of the 90 or Nothing podcast show. Today's show, big show. Earlier this week, I got to sit down with professional cutting horse trainer Warwick Screen, who's based out of Scone in New South Wales. He's only just moved there, so we um certainly quick to catch up with him, and I really enjoyed his story. He's definitely got a you know extremely unique story. He's you know he grew up on the beach, travelled Australia, travelled overseas, and now he's back in Australia and he's killing it in the cutting ring, and definitely a force to be reckoned with. All of us in the area are super stoked to have him here and can't wait to support him and back him as much as we can. Once again, guys, this podcast show is proudly brought to you by our good friends, Camp Draft Training Online. Be sure to head over to their website and subscribe at www.teamcto.com.au. So sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy the interview with Warwick Screen. So you got a bit of an interesting story. You're, you're a professional cutting trainer now. That's um, just moved to Scone in New South Wales, but you got a probably a fairly unique story, I guess, in the sense of becoming a cutting trainer. So, because originally you're from the coast near Belmont, am I right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, grew up in Belmont North, 103 Violet Town Road. Yep. Um, there was. Beautiful spot to grow up. Now that, actually, my cousin told me, um, told me when I was about twenty-five, and you know, I'd grown up there, and I was like, oh, this is shit, all this place, blah, 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 and um, nothing to do here, and you know, um, anyway, he goes, oh, I'll take you till thirty to appreciate this place, and and that's what it did for him. He's about ten years older than me, and anyway, um. I did. I travelled Australia, travelled the world, and and now I go to now I go to Belmont for holidays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So growing up there, what were you, what was your sort of lifestyle down there, like surfing or whatnot? Yeah. Um, well, I always loved me horses. You know, I wasn't diehard surfer or anything like that. Um, but I yeah, I, Belmont North is like five minutes from Lake Macquarie, five minutes from the ocean. Um, so a lot of fishing, a lot of, a lot of beach, a lot of skateboarding, you know, like all the towny stuff. Um, but it was a, you know, I, I look back on it now and I'm really lucky because there was, uh, an awesome crew of fellas down there and, you know, any, any day of the week, like once we're a bit older and, and we're all tradies pretty well, um, and you know, any day of the week, I'd have the boys over for a beer, and there'd be there'd be twenty fellas there, no worries. And yeah, so yeah, it was a lot of lot of fun. We got up to a lot of mischief, and um, and it, it it was a good life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was very blue collar, you know. Like um, all our parents kind of grew up in that that era where they they didn't start with much, but they. They all kind of, you know, there's a lot of mines around there. Dad, dad was a miner, and 35 years. Mum was a school teacher, and um, 
you know, like most of me mates, uh, all their parents started with nothing and worked their ass off and, and was were in them kind of booms in real estate. Um, and Belmont's still a place that's getting closer and closer to, to Sydney and just, like, I think, you know, pl- places have just gone through the roof and, yeah. and it's kind of created... Um, opportunity for us kids to just to, to, to go on from there you know yeah so you would have fairly sort of mixed groups of mates I guess sort of doing different things yeah definitely had all sorts yeah um, yeah everything no. from hippies to skateboarders to, <laughs> to horse riders to cowboys you know what I mean like yeah, it's, yeah. Um, yeah it, it's great and I've hung out with them all and I've learned to love them all and they're all a little bit different but yeah it doesn't matter where you go in the world. Um, good people are good people, and that's right. Yeah. So Belmont, it's not really a horsey area, or is it? Like, no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all, mate. Like, we we had two acres in town. Yep. Um, which is pretty sought after right now because the rest of the place is like totally built out these days. Um, but no, it, it's it's suburbia. Um. You know, I used to get some funny looks riding me horses down the side of the road. Yeah. On a pretty busy road in the <laughs> afternoon. And, you know, I was, I loved it. So I was riding them every afternoon. The boys were surfing and I'd getting, I'd get shit at school for wearing me tight jeans. And, <laughs> and, um, you know, I was the horse rooter at school and then I'd go to the rodeos and I was the surfy. And, yeah. um, yeah, it, it was it was different. I had a little bit of bush just down the road where we used to go ride, where I used to go riding. And, um, like I, looking back on it now, I was pretty bloody silly, but you know, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd break in horses down there and a couple of days into it, I'd take them down the road and up the bush and cars everywhere. People tooting at me. The boys would go past on the way to the <laughs> beach and give me the finger. And <laughs> <laughs> so what, but I guess, what was the first, like, when was your initial ride on your horse? Or, like, you know, what was your first horse that sort of got you into it? I yeah, guess. well, mum and dad, well, apparently, apparently, like, right from the get-go, I was interested in horses. Like, I would point out every horse that we drove past and right. every photo of a horse and make that little clicking noise, apparently. I don't remember that stuff, but... Um, <laughs> Apparently from the get go, and then and then we used to go to Foster Tuncurry to a place um, every year for holidays, and they had trail riding there. So, you know, I'd go up there, and once again it was close to the beach, but I'd just go down to the stables and live at the stables the whole time I was there. So that was the first time I was actually just talking to Dad about it the other day, and. Um, I think I was still in nappies the first time I got put on a horse there, but right. that was the start of it all. And right, um, yeah, that's kind of where I started riding. And and then see, so mum and dad bought you your first horse. Yeah, mum and dad bought me the first horse when I was twelve year old, um, straight from the breakers. What was it? Just a thoroughbred uh, or stock it was a horse? stock horse? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty well bred actually. Um, yep. Old fella Norm Gilbert just at at Blandford here. I bought him off and. Um, thousand bucks straight from the breakers. So mum and dad obviously didn't know too much either. <laughs> and, um, I was twelve year old, and you know he ended up being me best mate. You know he was um, old Sam. He only just died the other day, 
sold him to a girl Brody Jones and she had him till he died. Oh, um, right. yeah. So, you know, he was, he actually broke my leg too, but <laughs> somehow forgive me for that. And, um, you know, I'd done everything with him, Pony Club, um, three-day event and dress, uh, you name it, hacking. I put him through some hell. I put myself through some hell, but, you know, he kind of got into the Sportland camp drafting and then I got more and more into camp drafting and, yeah. and taught him a bunch of tricks and, yeah, you know, I tormented the hell out of him, but he was um, he was a really cool horse. He was just a rigid-ditch old, you know, stock horse breeding and um, I think he would have been a great horse. If I, if I was a little older and knew a little more too. Yeah, right. Yes, he gave me a pretty good, found a good start for you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, he let me do everything to him. So he, um, no, he very, very good. And yeah, from there we kind of, um, oh, I just had one here and there that I might have rode for a bit and sold, but I had another mare that, um, that I had for a, for a fair few years but yeah I mean they were kind of I didn't have many horses and right um yeah yeah kind of got into the broke it started breaking in a few horses when I was probably 14 and you know I rode a lot of other people's horses but I didn't really have many of my own and yeah obviously I was only on two acres so I couldn't so where'd really you break them in <laughs> um well a little flat bit down the back <laughs> <laughs> And your mum and dad yeah. were all good with that? <laughs> yeah, well, dad was a little worried, um, but mum loved it. and um, Must have thought it was yeah. great. <laughs> I don't know, I think innocence is bliss or, you know, they just, they probably, mum and dad aren't very horsey and, or none of my family are and uh, they probably just didn't know. Right. And, um, and yeah, I... Um, I, I had a fair few injuries too here and there, but um, I don't know. They just, they just, they. I just, I just went and did it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like they didn't really get much of a say either. Yeah. You know. That's good. So then, you as a teenager, you grew up through. You stayed down there, and then you left school. Did you go work away doing a trade or something? Or yeah, so. Uh, mum and dad pushed me to finish school, which I didn't, I wasn't real keen on, but, um, anyway, I did, and it was maybe two of the best years of my life, you know, um, getting to that age where we could drive around and that, and, um, probably I got, I got out of the horses then, probably that last, you know, year 12 at school, so, um, I had a lot less responsibility just to, just to do school, and, um, and and then I, I left school and I, I didn't want to go um, to uni. So I fell into a job, um, concreting actually, and um, I loved it. And I don't know why, but I did. And yeah. anyway, I put myself through a trade, um, a construction carpentry trade. Uh, so I just had a week off every six weeks and went to TAFE and um, got that way I got a trade out of it I just wasn't a concrete labourer at the end of the day but you know I don't I never hated it and I still don't it probably took a toll on my body yeah but um, it did cause me I was probably out of the horses you know 
was well and truly out of the horses then. Um, you know, why while I was kind of doing my trade and all that. Right. Yeah, okay. So then then you went and travelled, did a bit of time travelling around Australia. Yeah, so, yeah, I suppose I did get bored at home after all, <laughs> um, or without any horses. Um, and I went around, I spent, I spent, I left home, I think, 22, um, and I spent, my plan was to go around Australia and, and find, find somewhere find somewhere I could have a farm on the beach <laughs> and, um, the dream yeah the dream so I did that and I found lots of places but I needed millions of yeah, millions and millions of money. dollars yeah. for it so, that, so that, that dream got a little bit shattered but I had a plan that I'd go overseas at 25 so right. I basically travelled Australia concreting formworking steel fixing for a couple of years and you know, that was some of the best days of my life and met some awesome people, seen some awesome sights and, and you know, I'm so glad I did because when I went overseas, I, I knew what Australia was and and how good it is, you know. Really? I, yeah. I met a lot of people overseas from Australia that I sometimes wondered if they really knew where they were from. Right, yep. So that that was really good, and you know when I did go overseas, it was, you know, I always kind of knew that Australia was home. Right, oh, that's right. So when, where did you first head over to like overseas? What places did you go? Uh well, like I said, I went and done, went and saved up some money, and I left when I was twenty five, and I flew straight into Hawaii. <laughs> and uh, I had a backpack and a surfboard and I'm like, I got off the plane and I'm like well I don't know anyone here and I don't really know what I'm going to do now so I just <laughs> got in a cab went down to the beach and found the backpackers oh, <laughs> yeah. like, this will do me for a bit and obviously I was on my way to the States um, had a mate in San Diego and, and I just got a cheap flight through through Hawaii so I was just like well I might as well stop here and check this out and yeah you know that is that is one of my favorite places in the world that is yeah yeah <laughs> I bet. horses and ranches and beaches and beautiful climate and people and it was just unreal right up your alley yeah yep. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so then you so, went to the states yeah got got into the states um Always wanted to do Cary Stampede, so I went up to Cary, had some mates up there. Right. Um, went and done the Stampede, that was awesome. Then And then I actually done a six-month surfing trip through, uh, well, no, it would have been six months traveling, probably three months through um, Central and South America. So yeah. I kind of flew into Mexico City and then went out to some to see some mates out at Porto Escondido and, and we bust basically bust the whole west coast um, of of Central America. We sailed from Panama to Colombia through the San Blas and then and then we drove um, as far down as Lima in Peru and that's basically where I ran out of money and and um, I decided then I had a two-year visa for Canada, so I decided that I was going to go back to Canada and stay with these people that I'd met up there and and spend two years up there on a snow hill. 
that's a pretty brave thing to do. Like, you're only pretty young. Like, you must have been fearless just to, you know, no money and just travelling around and sort of, you know, <laughs> like that's, yeah. I've never had Did any you money, think so that? I didn't know any different. <laughs> but, it, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, you know, after obviously travelling Australia, give me a bit of that travel bug or that, right. you know, like life is so good, you just got to live it. Yeah. You know, and, um, and there's so much good stuff out there and there's so, so many good people and, you know, and there's so many bad people, but I can, you know, I could go down to Newcastle on the weekend and get in more trouble than what I could in Mexico. You know, if you, if you want trouble, you can go and find it. Yeah. If you want to stay out of trouble, you can too. You know, I mean, some fellas are pretty unlucky, but, um, I had mates along the way and, and, you know, that, that kind of, that, you know, that, kind of called it the gringo trail but that that surfy culture you know it it, it, it was kind of like it's kind of like going to texas and and everyone's you know a cowboy yeah or, or a, a horse trainer you know like you've got that that similarity or that that connection and um you know i had friends along the way or i'd had mates that had been there and connections and you know it doesn't matter where you go if you've got one good connection you're sorted and yeah um yeah i mean to just saddle up and go yeah i suppose it was but um <laughs> just didn't think yeah, about it no, just went into I, it i kind of i love that feeling you know yeah. and, um and it, yeah it was i'm i'm glad i do because i got to do a lot and see a lot you yeah. know and and a lot of people sometimes just when i was traveling be like oh you know you you um you live the life and you're so lucky and I'm just like well you know you well, you could do this too and and they're just like oh yeah but I've got a good job and I've got no money and I'm just like well you don't need money yeah <laughs> you don't need money like you don't need much money to do yeah. some awesome stuff so yeah you know that that was kind of and always had a credit card so always had a bit of backup <laughs> <laughs> so if things were getting pretty tight like I'd I'm like, righto, I'm gonna go and get a job, and yeah. and um and that's where the credit card had come out, and <laughs> that was the first thing paid off. So I used to manage it pretty good, but yeah, no, that's all right then. So then you you're saying you went to Canada and lived up on a snow hill for a while. What you were you instructing there or? No, what? I um I actually lived in Banff, which was yeah awesome yeah um and that was just I mean. Banff is higher than Mount Kosciuszko, but mm. it's not actually in the mountains. It's like a bit of a touristy town for yep. the young people. And, you know, there was, there was, I mean, I lived in a house with 17 people and 10 of them were from my hometown in Belmont. So, really, um, you know, I had some really good mates there and, yeah, and I worked in a bar to pay the rent and to, to pay me way. And we used to go snowboarding every day and pretty much and, I think when I first got there, I got my ticket and I went snowboarding 62 days straight <laughs> for my first stint. And um, oh yeah, I learned to do it because I went every day. <laughs> but um, so you, yeah. you definitely don't sound like you do things in halves. You sort of like to go yeah. hard or something. There's no other way. <laughs> yeah, good, good. So then, then what happened there? You sort of, you know, had enough of it after a while, or what happened? Um. Well, actually, I actually got 
I got busted a couple of times. I broke my collarbone. I had a knee operation, which was really convenient because the best surgeons were just at the end of my street at Banff um, Hospital. Um, so, yeah, I had a knee operation. And then so I had three months inside pretty much um, just thinking about my life. <laughs> so, um, you know, I got back on the computer actually and, and I started looking up horses again. So... Um, by this time, you know, I'd been, I'd been around Australia. I'd kind of, you know, I hadn't really rode a horse for five years, probably. Um, really? and I hadn't really even touched a horse for five years. And, and then anyway, I started watching all these DVDs and I was just like, well, I've, you know what? I should probably get back into horses before I, um, before I wreck myself up on the hill, just yeah. being dumb. And, um, <laughs> And then I can't ride horses, so... Um, so how'd you get into it then, over there? Well, I, uh, I googled cutting horse trainers and I, I realised there was a lot around Calgary. Right. Um, and cutting, obviously, was something that I was very interested in um, through, you know, the, you know, the camp drafting. Like, I still remember that day that I first felt a horse go with a cow on its own. Yeah. And, you know... I love, I really love the, you know, being able to get a horse to do something for itself. Yeah. Um, and to think on its own and, and to do something for itself. So that's kind of what intrigued me. And then the cow horse was, you know, what hooked me. And, um, and so I was always interested. I never really looked in it, but I was always interested in cutting. So I Googled cutting horse trainers and, here assistant trainer job come up and obviously I wasn't really ready for that but um anyway I rang it was Doug Reinhardt and I rang Doug and and um I went out there and we still laugh about it because I kind of I turned up out there and he's six I'm pretty sure his 16 year old daughter was stronger than me no. <laughs> I'd been sitting on the couch for three months and one of my arms didn't work and anyway um Dougie I suppose he believed me and um, he turned up there with a brand new pair of Wranglers and <laughs> and uh, anyway he, he took me on and and you know I was back in the swing of things before too long and right. and um and yeah it it kind of all went from there. So what were you doing at Dougie's? Like were you doing breakers or two year olds or what? Um, started at the bottom. Um. I, there was everything in, in barns, so yeah, there was 20 or 30 barns to clean each day, and um, so I'd, I'd, I'd start off um, feeding horses, cleaning barns, and we'd have some smoko, and um, and then start working horses, and obviously you didn't have to beat the heat in Canada. Yeah. But um, How many horses would there be? Oh, he would have had around 30, Yeah. I would reckon most of the time ridden um, every day pretty much yeah yeah there, there might be some younger horses that didn't get or some show horses that didn't get ridden every day but um yeah you know like on that you know on the in the peak season you know pretty pretty well getting all done every day right um but yeah i just like saddling and like horses for him pretty well yeah um after smoke, I would get the two and three year olds done, and you know he'd just stay in the arena, and 
There was another fellow there, good mate, um, Lachlan Bell. Um, he he was there when I got there. He was from Australia too, so that was a bit random. But yeah, um, you know, we we just kind of cats saddle, warm up, give him the doggy, he'd work him, and um, then take the other one back and saddle and wash him off and and do the grind. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. You yeah, must have so, loved it though. Oh yeah, I did, and. <laughs> I'd been on the road for long enough and I hadn't had a job, proper job for a while. So I was, you know, I was pretty, yeah. I'd, I'd got, I'd, I was done with that too. So, I, you know, like I was happy to be back into horses and happy to be in that, that lifestyle, you know, that was a real ranch lifestyle, you know, he, he made his own hay and he ran his own cows, not, not all of them, but he ran, ran some cows and yeah, probably a lot more similar to Australia in a, in a fact, you know, it's a bit more real life. Um, and, and you know what, I'm really grateful that I started that way too. Yeah. Um, and, and I did, you know, I loved the Canadians and I made some really good mates there, like mates for life type of thing. And, and, you know, Doug and Sean, they, they took me in and treated me like a son pretty well. Um, Emma, their daughter, and, and Riley, you know, he, I think he was only maybe 12 or 13. Emma would have been 15 or 16, so I was kind of a bit like the older brother there at that stage. And, um, you know, they, they definitely made that experience what it was. Yeah. And um, So then, when did your visa run out there? Then? Uh, well, I had two-year visa up there, so... I would have, I would have been at Doug's for pretty close to eighteen months. Right. Um. So I'd done two winners with him, two futurity seasons. Yeah. Um. And. Uh, we actually, so my visa was coming up, and they they were wanting me to stay there, and I was sick of winter, and I mean it it was cold, and right. I toughed it through it, and and um, and I was just. You know, I was a bit sick of it by then, and um, anyway, we hauled some horses to the Derby in Vegas. Um, so that was pretty cool. Drove all the way down through the middle of America, and um, and then that's where I met Darren Simpkins, and um, he was at Slate River Ranch, and that's so I I ended up getting a job at Slate River. Right. Um. Doing the two-year-old deal. Yeah. So, obviously, at Doug's, like, I'd kind of worked my way up. Yeah. Like, it, I wasn't there long, and they went to a show, and, you know, I was kind of like the ranch hand, in a way, you know, I was the one staying back, and yeah, and all that, and this is before I really even knew what was what was going on, and, yeah. and um, but then, you know, they had some breakers there, so I was like, oh, can I ride them breakers while you're gone, and and so I did and that was like the start of it and then you know he he let me have some yeah a fella wanted wanted some another trainer wanted three horses broken in so I'd done them and and um and I got to keep one out of that so you know yeah Dougie helped me out there and and then had my own horse with him and that was old Mr. Beans he ended up getting sold to the movies um as right. a trick horse so <laughs> he was a pretty cool little horse yeah um in the end and and he funded pretty much funded my journey down to to texas so yeah right so um, slate river for anyone out there it's in weatherford in the, in texas yeah yeah just out of mineral wells yeah so you're going right into cutting country 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, I'd, I was well and truly into it by the end, you know. Like, I yep. was riding all these two-year-olds, breaking in all these horses, um, and and got to show a really good horse, um, old Chief. He ended up winning the world. Well, um, not long after that, he he was a really cool horse, and I got to show him a couple of times, so that was good, and and you know towards the end got to show it, maybe work a few few older horses, and and so yeah, I was chasing that two year old deal. Yeah, that's that's the job that I wanted, and that's what I put to Darren when I met him, and and then he's like, well, I'm actually looking for a two year old guy, and and then he kind of told me the scenario and. And that was the perfect job. Right. That's exactly what I wanted. You know, I just went, I went out, ran all the two-year-olds in, ran them to the back barn, and started saddling them, and, and away I went. And that, and that was kind of my gig, and that's exactly, by the time I left Doug's, that's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah, so it really fell into your hand. Yeah. Yeah. So then how long did you spend there? Oh, I was at... Slate River for pretty well 18 months too. Um, I had a year visa. I got there a little early. Um, obviously, them guys kind of sorted that for me before I, so I didn't have to go home. So that was good. I just went from, straight from Canada to America. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd done that. I got there a bit early. Then I'd done the year. Then... I, um, well, I actually come home to try and get another visa and then I went back and, right. and, and re- helped with some sail horses and stuff like that. So it, w- it would have been close to 18 months too. Yeah, okay. okay. So how many sort of, how many horses would you put, like how many horses do they breed there a year and how many are you getting on each? Well, pretty well 30 Yeah. Uh, when I was there. Right. That's, that's I, I started 30 colts. Um pretty much and um and then ryan ryan come on board not long after i'd been there um ryan edmonton and yeah so i worked alongside him um and you know we we basically do our 15 each yeah and we'd swap around a bit and um yeah there's times there when ryan would probably ride a few more and i'd help him and and then other times we'd kind of split them down the middle, and yeah, you know, um, you know, I spent a lot of time with Ryan, and and you know, he taught me a lot, and we got to ride some really good horses, and you know, that was a really good year for me. Yeah, um, it was really hard, and it, it was it was it was when I really found out what horse training was all about. I think it was a little bit more chill up in in canada and yeah. and a bigger variety of things you know like we've done like i said we've done everything yeah we ran a ranch um whereas in texas it was horse trainer i'd been employed to be a horse trainer and yeah if if i wasn't or i didn't want to or i couldn't well that wasn't the job for me yeah you know? um so there was and and obviously there's a it's like you said it is cutting central and there's a lot of pressure there there's a lot of money like i would have rode nearly a million dollars worth of horses a day gosh and you know we were riding highbrow cats metallic cats you know like all of them like 
them them horses that we talk about like that that was their fathers yeah and and this was back then so they're very current and and out of mares that have won two three four hundred thousand dollars like they'll they the real deal and you know that that was really obviously we had horses like that in canada but just similar to australia just not as many so it's just that little oh, another step up i guess yeah definitely yeah. you know and especially the mare power that slate river's got is yeah. unbelievable right you know, we might we might have had a, a horse up i think we had a highbrow cat mare up in canada that was out of a mare that maybe won 50 grand but um you know that that mare power once i got to slate river was just unbelievable and them horses were unbelievable so you really noticed the difference with the breeding there oh just so many of them you know like yeah. just every horse yeah you could have done something with every horse like you know they weren't all superstars but they were all really really nice horses did you have a horse over there that really stood out to you oh definitely what was it definitely um that was a little highbrow cat mare she never actually ended up making it to get shown but she was a beautiful black little filly with a with a um white white strip on her face um she was she was just something else i called her magic yeah. um you know there was a there was a highbrow cat stud there you know both of them horses are out of mares that have won a couple hundred thousand dollars and um the the highbrow cat stud oh well he got cut but he was out of Johnny, one of Johnny's favourite mares, and Johnny actually he made the finals on him. And, right. Um, yeah, like there was some. What did she have that was so much? You know, that really stood out to you. Like, why was she such a standout? She just had a presence. She had, she had an attitude and a and a personality. But like, she, everything was just so. She was just so smart. Yeah. So smart. It was so easy. Makes you feel like you're doing a really good yeah. job. <laughs> she made me think I knew what I was on about. Yeah, like, yeah. that's why I like the so much. Right? No, she she was just phenomenal, eh? and and it was always it was a pleasure every single day to ride her. Like she had a few limitations here and there, but you know I was also still very green at it all. And then and you know I've probably learnt more about them horses since I've I've left. Right. You know, like um, once you're when you're in the moment. And that's what you're doing. Well, it's a little bit like anything. You kind of, you know, I hadn't rode any cutting horses in Australia. I hadn't, I hadn't been this deep into horse training in Australia, and and um, so I didn't really know what was back at home. Yeah. And you know, we kind of, you know, I got to a point where I was just like, oh, this is how it is. So, mm. and, and it wasn't until I come home that I realised like how good them horses were. Hey guys, we know you're enjoying the interview, but we're just going to interrupt quickly to give a little word from our sponsor, Camp Draft Training Online. Be sure to head over to their website, www.teamcto.com.au to get all the latest tips and hints from some of the best Camp Draft trainers in Australia. These guys will make the difference. So then you had, you had your good fun over in the States and whatnot, and then you came home... Then you went you went to Queensland, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So what take um, us from there? Well, uh, well, I, I originally come home to get another visa. Right. Um, so I uh, come home and I went and 
done a little bit with Amelia Servant. Right. Um, at Tumlong, so that was really good. And then uh, I, I went and showed a snap a bit horse for him at Toowoomba, and then I had some mates going to Paradise Lagoons, like some old mates. Like, you know, I'm, I'm talking, by the time I got home, I'd been around Australia, I'd done my trade, you know, and then I'd been overseas for nearly four or five years by then. So it was almost 10 years before since I'd ever seen anyone in the horse industry that I did know in Australia. Yeah. So, you know, there was a massive gap there. And, you know, I kind of caught up with a few old mates that from the old pony club days or the junior rodeos and, 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 and off to, um, paradise we went and, and I met, uh, old, um, long John and I knew he had some horses to be started. So I was just like, well, he lives just down the road. Yeah. This could be a good way. I'll, I'll camp down there and I ride some horses for him and and he's like, Oh, how much are you know, can I tank a fuel be right? And, he, oh. <laughs> and he's like, just so I can get home and he's just like, Well make sure it's empty and he's like, Oh, but you've got enough cowboy in you to know that I don't have to tell you that And uh, that that was pretty funny actually because I I've got about 180 litres in my 150 litre tank and I was like, How's that for cowboy long John? <laughs> But um, anyway, so that he he put me on to Damien Kenny. Right. Damien Kenny is a very good mate of mine, and um, he, I he had a bunch of horses that he started at his place just out of Rocky at Port Curtis, and he's got a little facility there, forty acre property, and and so I ended up staying there for three months. Right. And doing this gig, and like things just like flowed one into the next, and then. Yep. Anyway, it come through that I didn't get my visa, so I, I shot back over to the States and helped with some futurity, uh, some sale horses and stayed for the futurity and and spent three months over there and went and visited Dougie and that. And, um, anyway, I... Um, and then packed up my life over there, basically. Yeah. Got everything that I owned and had some saddles and some gear and... You know, bought a lot of stuff to come home and, and, yeah, packed up packed up life in America and was just like, all right, it's time to go home, you know. Right. Um, and then when I did get home, I not straight away, but I eventually made my way back to Damo's where I leased there for the next two years. Right. And so then did you go straight into cutting horses there or what were you doing there? Uh, well, no, I was back to the bottom again. So <laughs> I was... Um, I basically was just breaking in horses. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I rode every piece of shit that comes through the gate, but, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate at the same time to have horses come off fellas like, you know, Cameron Parker or Barry Sheen, you know, like in, and, you know, get, getting like half a dozen well-bred horses at a time you know um, whether they were cutting horses or not it didn't really matter you know they were still beautiful animals and 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 very well bred and you know and and to get to get like that many horses at a time in one hit was just was perfect for me because i had a few two-year-olds i'd bought me um me me mare sally chisholm she's a full sister to Spoonful of badge. I bought her out of the yearling sale for twenty three grand or something. Then I had a full two full brothers to her. Yeah. Um, 
which Kim Lansdowne owned. And um, so, you know, I had, I was starting that cutting journey. Yeah. But I was funding it with the breakers. So it must have been, I know a lot of tra- or young guys that come back from the States, back to, to the Australian bred horses. Like it's quite, you know, they might find it was, they find it's quite difficult transitioning back to maybe, you know, that different style. Did you sort of struggle with that or did you find, you know, you, you're all right? What was the difference? Um, yeah, I struggled a lot. <laughs> yeah. it, it was massive. I mean, you know, like I was, I had a really good foundation on me by then that, um, you know, that them, that Doug had started off, you know, he was very simply just worked a cow and, and, you know, Doug could get a ranch off the cup. Right. So I'm so grateful for that, that beginning. Yeah. Um, and then Ryan and the fellas at Slate River, they really took me to the next level of, um, of mechanics and, and brokenness and, and understanding why we needed these things to get the job done. And, and obviously very good horses that could do it. So when I come home, I was pretty set like that. Um, and at times, at times it probably hurt me because I had horses that weren't, that, that couldn't handle that. Um, and, and sometimes I wasn't practical, you know, like, um, you know, if I had a horse that couldn't, that couldn't do that maneuver, well, I just tried to get it out of him and. And, you know, I had to figure that out. Like, yeah. I had to I had to reassess that. I had to reprocess it. I had to figure out what animal that I was on. And, and you know, that took... And, and then probably the biggest thing was knowing, you know, I hadn't really done a thing for the public, like a, you know, road for the public. And the thing with breakers is you do so many for so many different people, you know, so... Me, me getting on a horse in the arena and, and even if I could, there's one that comes to mind and, and, you know, he was an acres, like I could get him, he was broke and I got him and just as good as I wanted him in the arena and he was happy and he was good. But when I sent him home, oh mate, on, he couldn't ride like me and he wanted to fang through the paddock and get the cows in. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't practical for that horse's job. Yeah. So, you know, um, it, you know, it it was tough that that first year in in Rocky riding all them breakers, and um, you know there was times I loved it and times I hated it. But I think looking back on it, you know, and and why the old fellas, you know, I've always listened to the old fellas, and and the reason they are so good is because they've touched so many horses and what that did for me that year like I just I touched so many different horses yeah and that's experience and there's no other way you know it's just time age and and horses yeah and um and you know like them them people and them horses just just got me a lot more maybe realistic about what the job was and you know Damo he's done a lot of a lot of mustering over the years and you know he got me out there mustering with him and Jason Lindley at Paradise and yeah um you know them two fellas helped me a lot with 
with just putting it into perspective. Right. You know, like, and getting that, getting it back, like we had taught horses to cut for their job, but, but getting it back to doing a job on a horse. Yeah. And having a horse again, having a horse for a purpose. Yeah. And, and what it does to the horse's mind mm. when he's got a job, you know, not, not to mention the long ride and, and, and all day and getting long and tired and, and, and putting the proper days working, like all of that. But, you know, just that, um, being, bringing a lot of that horse training back into perspective again. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like I don't regret it one bit and, and if I didn't go through it, I wouldn't be where, I, where I am today. I don't believe in. And, you know, and, and working out them stock horses was was awesome. Like, it was difficult. But, you know, like there was a time there when I had some, I had half a dozen horses that 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 were, that had some breeding in them. Yeah. And, but, you know, two American, well, even two quality Australian horses, they, they weren't really up to standard. And, and they were difficult. They were wild to start. Right. Um, but there was one day I took him over to Paradise and rode rode around with Lindley and and um and and I just lapped him. Yeah. And them horses were so good at it. And I was just like that was when it just clicked me and I was just like, Well here you go, this is this is what these horses are for. Yeah. These horses are for chasing cattle. Yeah. You know, and, and every single one of them horses did they want to do the stuff that I want to do in the arena? No. If I kept doing it, could have I cooked them? Yes, definitely. Could I go lap them, run a ninety on one? Bloody oath. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and and it just made, and that's that's what it was for me. I just had to find horses for courses. Yeah. Every horse has a job, and you, it's our job as a horseman to to work out what that job for that horse, or what work out what that horse suits. Yeah. And. And that was, that was what suited them horses. And, and it made me, that's what, that was the turning point for me because it made me like them. Yeah. You know, and, and if you don't like them, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, I just had to search for them, for, for that horse's job. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and, and that changed a lot of my program, you know, like even on these good cutting horses these days, like a, a um, a big important like this year mainly i've just spent two months in in um in queensland doing all the shows up there obviously and having a string of show horses but i took all my breakers with me and done a lot of mustering like a lot of contract mustering too yeah so you know all them breakers have had have been taken to work yeah they've been on and off a truck they've been tied to a truck they've been left on a truck you know they've been walked cattle home 10 k's yeah you know like and and i think it's such an important thing like them horses are so mature right now yeah because you know them old just like them old fellas that are so good in australia that use their horses for work you know yeah. like and and it's it's um it's helped me it's helped me with with everything not only did it help me figure out what I and the transition from the quarter horse to the stock horse, or, or you know, I didn't have much to do with it. Like I was so far gone from it in Australia that like coming back from America off all them horses was, was like a massive shock. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it, it's um, 
it's taught me to, you know, read that horse better and, and, and pick its job better and, and, um, and probably ask less, which yeah. is what the old fellas have always, always said to said. us. Yeah, certainly. Well, I mean, speaking of good horses and horses having their job, you had a pretty good horse, or you do have a good horse this year. Futurity Mare, one more bankroll that uh, made three finals, did you say this year? Yeah, yeah. Just what's her story? Um, one more bankroll. She's, she's a cool little horse. Um, I had had a bit of... I had a bit of tough time with that mare. Like I'd spent a lot of money on Sally Chisholm the year before, and right. things just didn't go to plan. And she's in the paddock in foal now. And um, Casey done good on her, made both finals at the Futurity, but that was her last show. And um, and so you know, I'd I'd done my ass. Yeah. And and that's that's the sport. That's horses. That's that's life. And and so I was in a position where I was like, well. Do I do I soldier on or do I just pack up and say it's too hard? That must have been and very frustrating having spend that money on that horse and she was everything you sort of expected and then just to have that, you know, that problem it must have been Yeah. Frustrating, disappointing, I mean like it was it yep. was more so it's more so how it just just because of where I was in my career, it was more so you know, like I wasn't getting sent horses. Yeah. That was my way that I had to do it. I had to buy my own, yeah. training for two years and going to the show pen. So, you know, it, it was a lot about getting known. Yeah. And and um, you know, I I had a bunch of breakers at home. That was my way of breaking into the cutting pen. So, I wasn't getting sent. I hadn't done my apprenticeship in Australia. People didn't know me, and not, so I wasn't getting sent cutting horses and you know what maybe if I went with a trainer when I first got home it would have been an easier way to go but whatever you know I've got a lot of good stuff out of it that I wouldn't have if I didn't do it this way yeah and like the camp drafting and the and the stock horses which I love too yeah and you know um so yeah it it, it was like it, it just plays with you, you know when you you just you're always on the fence. What do I do? Do I spend this money? I'm broke, you know. Like I can't really afford it. Do I, do I, you know, do I get the vet? Do I get her hawks done? Do I what do What do I do? Do I pull her out of the futurity? You know, like I know she's a really good horse, and you know I had a good vet up there, Brad Johnson, and he helped me get through that a bit. And um, it yeah, it it was tough, but at the end of the day, you'll work out a way. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to do it, you'll do it. And if you don't, you won't. Yeah. So then one more bankroll, she came around, you purchased her. Yeah. So I couldn't afford to do that the next year. Like I was, I was still hurting and I, had, I basically had five grand and, um, and anyway, I was looking for a horse that I could train that, you know, that wasn't such a high risk. Yeah. So, um, I found... This little mare, um, she bought no more, one more, out of a bank full of CDs mare, and she was she was pretty cute and she was affordable and like I liked her breeding, um, so I went with it and I could afford her. So um, you know that was funny. That's how the the name kind of come around. You know she was the the yeah. one more bankroll. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, and um, she she was, she taught me a lot too. Yeah. You know um. She's 
year we had some tough days and some tough weeks and some tough months and yeah um she wasn't she was very different to a lot of other horses i had trained and i had to i had to um give away a lot of um probably feel or probably my opinion or what, what I whatever <laughs> you know like um I, I had to do it more like she wanted to do it. Yeah. And, you know, like going back to the stock horse as well, like that that journey like really helped me with that mare too because, right. you know, I, I'd got a lot more to a point where I could just, I still, I still knew what I wanted. Yeah. And what I needed, but I was, I let go of a lot of brokenness or, or things that, didn't really matter yeah whereas in my younger days i probably would have you know that that could have been like a really like a breaking point for me you know yeah. what i mean um so definitely that was good i mean that mare was extremely cowy and that's why she is consistent that's why she has she has shown up um yeah she's a show horse she she's she always keeps you guessing but she when when you go over the timeline she's there yeah yeah definitely. um so and that i mean at the end of the day for these cutting horses it is the cow yeah and their desire and that that man's full of it yeah so also at the end of the day <laughs> the stuff that we worry about you know sometimes isn't that important yeah and you know that's that's coming back to the experience and stuff too that's why the old fellas and the good fellas are what they are because they have done so much of it yeah. and rode so many horses and, and trained so many, you know, like I a lot of fellas helped me. Aaron helped me with this mare when I went down to his place in January and, and you know, everyone along the way that's, that's helped me has helped me with this mare, you know, Todd helped me with this mare and, um, they, that, that that's their experience coming through like they seen this man they just knew what to do with it yeah yeah um they knew how to help me mm. you know because they'd done it before yeah yeah definitely so speaking of good horses out and like a lot of us are noticed or particularly you know since you started competing a lot more that your horses are really relaxed and you know fairly willing like have you worked on that or is that sort of come natural to you? Um, it's definitely not natural. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe it is my way of life. Maybe it is my journey that's yeah. helping. Um, it well, you know what? Like it, it probably is. Like I mean, you know, take take you back to old Sam. He was off his head. <laughs> All I did was try and work, work at getting him to walk every day. <laughs> Like, you know, you talk about horses cook. He was cooked. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I suppose a, a lot of barrel racing and and sporting and campgrafting and kids and junior radios will do that to a horse, and it was good fun. But you know, like I worked on it a lot when I was young, trying to figure out how to. You know, them old fellas just blew me away how they could. Be, have horses so relaxed and yeah and all the rest of it and you know obviously it was a little bit the situation i was in 
Oh, well, I didn't have a thousand acres going muster or ten thousand acres or whatever. I didn't have jobs to do on my horses. Yeah. But you know that's what they always said to me: just ride them, just ride them. And I'm just thinking, well, I am just riding them. <laughs> but you know now, thirty years later, it's starting to make a bit more sense. Yeah. And and you know they're exactly right. Just ride them, and and that's what it is for me. You know, like I um I probably am pretty chill and. At, at times and and obviously not at times but um there still has to be a job done and there's still pressure and we still all feel it yeah um but you know my journey's probably helped me help me deal with that a little bit more yeah um and yeah like it, it it's the most important thing to me yeah them horses to be happy yeah. And obviously I'm working at it all the time. I, I'll never stop working on that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they can always, when the boys help me, you know, they can always be happier. Yeah. But then sometimes it can also be my downfall, you know, like sometimes, you know, I might, may not ask enough. Yeah. Because I'm so worried about them being happy. Mm. But for me, if a horse is happy, he'll do anything you want. Yeah. You know, um, and in the long run, you know, there's going to be times when you're going to not ask enough and there's going to be times when you ask too much. And, and that's why these fellas are so good. You know, uh, I've just been um, up at Phil Dawson's for a week and done a clinic with him. And, you know, we talked a lot about... Um, you know his strong points and my strong points yeah and you know your your long your strong point sometimes my strong points his weak point and my you know his strong point and my weak point and so that's good you know like that's why we enjoy riding together but yeah um you know that that strong point of mine is also what kind of holds me back a little bit too right. um and i think these these fellas like the best fellas in the industry that's what they're so good at. They're so good at picking that point. Yeah. What's too much and mm. what's not. Like that's where the their horsemanship and their experience comes into it where they they just know um when to ask and when not to. Yeah. And when to help and when not to, you know, and and you know, that's something that I'll work out for the rest of my life. Yeah. So obviously the horse business, like it's a pretty tough one, but um, you're making it. It well made it. Uh, <laughs> what, what what advice? <laughs> there's lots. Feel like it. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of young guys Sitting out there the though. Man. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of young guys out there though that are starting off. What sort of advice would you give to them? Yeah, well, same thing that got said to me. I mean, it's a long road. And um, it's something that you just got to want to do. Um, Paul Hansman took me to Texas and he told me that it'll take 10 years if I want to do this. And he was absolutely right. I think I'm nine years into it. And, um, and you know, it's just one of them things. If, if you really want to do it, you'll work out a way to do it. And, and there's a lot of times where you doubt it and you wonder whether you want to do it. But 
I think it's just life and the journey, you know. A lot of people said you got to enjoy the journey and that's probably what I'm getting better at now, enjoying that journey and getting there, you know. Don't be in a hurry because it takes that long to figure it out, you know, and and you'll never... Well, for me, I'll be figuring it out forever, you know. So um, for them young fellas, go out there, put yourself out there, Go overseas, ride with the best, learn off the best, and um, listen to the old fellas with the experience, and and you know if if you really want to do it, you'll just do it. Yeah. You're gonna doubt yourself, and you're gonna time and time and time and time again, but if you really want to do it, just do it. And you know, there's I listened to a thing once about, um, you know, did the desire to do something and and um i think it's on your facebook actually but you know it's it's a professor and he's going on about whether you know worrying about money you know in australia we're so money orientated like if you do something that you love for long enough you will be okay and i think that's you know if if there's young fellas out there that that want to be a horse trainer well go and be one yeah and it's just just be prepared to enjoy the journey. It's going to take some time, and and you're going to think you know a lot more than what you do, probably like me right now. But you know, <laughs> like it, it's um, it's just you know, it just takes a long time, and you just got to stick at it and just go go with it. Follow your dream. Definitely, that's some good advice. But um, you've recently purchased a place down here in Scone in New South Wales. Um, I know me being a local we're, and many others around us like to have you here because we're fully prepared to get behind you and utilise you as much as we can. <laughs> um, I need some help. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be good. Um, yeah, I guess you're pretty excited to be down here too. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. I've been, I've been on the road pretty well for 10 years now. So, um, you know, both of my sisters have got three kids each in Newcastle and, and it's um, just so good to be back near home. And, you know, like the young fellas, you know, like I've been abroad for 10 years. There's a lot of sacrifice in that with family and friends and, and, and life um, to, to get to where you want to be. Um, but if you, if you really want to do it, you just do it. And, and now, you know, that I have found this block in Scone and, and everything seems to be just kind of falling into place. Casey's got a really, like her dream job that sled me in managing the um, breeding barn down there. And, you know, it's 15 minutes down the road from this new block. It's a beautiful block of dirt. It's got everything here I, I need to do my job. The yeah. creek's still running in the middle of the drought. And the new arena's in town where they're going to be having shows. And, I'll, you know, Jim and Linda and, and Link and, you know, a few... And you guys, you know, you fellas are around here. A lot of... A lot of fellas that I grew up with that I can reconnect with, you know, I'm, I'm pretty psyched to be home too, to be honest. Yeah. No, well, we're very excited to have you here. But uh, that's going to about do us, right? Thank you very much for coming in and doing this with us. We really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having us. <laughs> it's been good. Well, guys, that was an interview with Warwick Screen. I really hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I had a great time sitting down with Warwick and yarning about his whole life. Um, my three little attention grabbers for today were, well, my first one was 
yeah, Warwick did have a unique childhood, but it hasn't stopped him. He pushed through and he loved the horse's horse side of things so much that it hasn't made a difference to him and it's made him stronger, if anything. My second attention grabber, which was really cool, I thought. It's really cool hearing from someone who's been in the States and trained with those with the quarter horses over there that are of such high level in the cutting and cow horse ring and then have him come back over here and, and back work with the stock horses that we've got here that we so much love and appreciate and how he had to change and maybe manipulate a few things to what he was doing in the States. Obviously, they're two different horses and they've got two different jobs, but at the end of the day, they're still a cow horse and it's got to be cow related and he just did an awesome job explaining that, I thought. My last one is Warwick is super passionate about the horse industry. I mean, obviously, especially the cutting horses, but I just really appreciated how passionate he was about that sport and how committed he is. That's going to do it for this week's episode, guys. I really hope you enjoyed it. Definitely be sure to tune in to the next coming weeks. We got to catch up with a few cinch-sponsored riders up at the Warwick Gold Cup, and they have some awesome stories. Till next week, guys, we'll catch you then.